0: Everyone, welcome back to Ask Me Anything with Pastor J.D. Greer, I am Matt Love, and today we have got a, a, nice, uh, a nice question, a nice sermon excerpt question from Pastor J.D. We've said this a few times and done this on the podcast a few times, but Pastor J.D. just has a lot of really good content from his sermons, he preaches almost every week, he preaches really great sermons, and he'll end up answering some really good questions in the midst of those sermons. And so we've got a, a piece of one of his sermons today, Um, that answers the questions, what do the best friendships do? What do the best friendships do? What do they look like? So we're going to listen to this sermon from Pastor JD, and I hope it is helpful to all of you guys.
1: The importance of friendship. There are several things that this friendship provided for David. These are what true friendship does for us too. Letter A, again, if you're taking notes, this friendship shielded David. Jonathan alerted David to danger that that David was unaware of. He saw things that David could not see. I love this verse in Ecclesiastes. Again, written by Solomon, wisdom may be coming from David. Two are better than one. If either of them falls down, one can help the other up, but pity the fool who falls alone and has nobody to help him up. If two lie down together, they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone? Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves, but a cord of three strands, that is not easily broken. Now, I will freely tell you there is a part of that verse that does not speak to me. I'm not lying down with another dude to keep warm unless we are in the tundra and it is literally a matter of life and death. I have a strict no spooning rule with my friends, okay? (laughs) But still, but still the central point is solid. Together is better. And that's partially because our friends see danger in our lives before we do. Y'all, the definition of a blind spot is something you can't see because you're blind to it. When I've challenged certain people on their lack of friends, sometimes they'll be like, why well, don't we really have these blind spots? I'm like, if you, if you knew they were there, they wouldn't be called blind spots. You can't see it, but your friends can. Often that blind spot is in your own heart. Proverbs 18:1, an isolated man ends up seeking his own desire and will rage against all sound judgment. When you get isolated, selfish heart deformities like weeds begin to grow unchecked. Think of it like the yard of a, of a blind person. They wouldn't know where to pull up the weeds. That's what happens to an isolated man. The late David Powlison, a Christian counselor, used to paraphrase Proverbs 18:1 this way. He would say, things that grow in a secret garden always grow mutants. I've told you this before, but I think it bears repeating. I was speaking at a conference um, a few years ago with a guy named Paul Tripp, who's a Christian counselor who's been spoken here. Great guy, read all of his books. Um, We were backstage and news had just come out that week on yet another one of these mega pastors, a good guy, a good guy who had fallen. I can't remember exactly what it was in his case, abusing power, inappropriate relationship or something. And, and, And so I just asked Dr. Tripp, I was really kind of shaken by it. And I just said, I don't understand why. These spiritual giants, or at least those who seem to me like they are spiritual giants, why are they so easy to fall? I'll never forget what he said. He kind of he kind of sat back and he he thought for a second and he stroked his mustache because y'all remember that one, right? It's a doozy. All right? He just strokes his mustache and he's like, he said, two things. Two things. He said, number one, he said, I noticed that all these guys, they begin to separate themselves from peer community. He said, no, I use the word peer community, peer, because they are extroverts and they almost always have people around them. He said, but I mean peer community where somebody can look into their lives and say, that's not right. Somebody who is their equal, somebody that doesn't report to them or worship them. He said that, and then that's compounded by the second problem, and that is they forget, they think they've gotten past indwelling sin. And they think that because they've been successful in ministry and because God uses them, that they're somehow no longer susceptible to those, those early temptations that used to plague them when they were a young Christian. He said, and it just lies dormant until the right moment and then it springs up and it overtakes them. One of the best decisions I've ever made, and I've told y'all this, was moving into a neighborhood together with a group of friends, not into the same house, obviously, but you know, in the in different homes in the neighborhood. These are people who can see into my life. They notice the weeds in my heart. They ask about them and they help me pull them up. Now, some of you are like, well, that's not a possibility for me right now. That's just one way to apply this. The point is there are things that you can do to open up your life to other people. For example, I know of one single guy in our church who was struggling with a porn addiction. And so his friend said, you know what? I'm moving into your apartment with you for a month. That's pretty radical, but it helped. It helped Are people close enough to you to speak into your life. Just be honest. When is the last time when is the last time a friend told you, just looked you in the eye and said, that's a stupid decision? You know, if you do this, it's gonna hurt your relationships. It's, it's gonna hurt your marriage. It's gonna hurt your testimony. Or, or they said something to you like this. That just doesn't seem like a wise use of your money. Hey, I'm not sure it's immoral, but is that the wisest thing to do? Or they just said to you, I'm not sure this is the wisest relationship for you to be in right now. When's the last time somebody told you something like that? If you can't remember a time, there are two possible explanations for for the reason you can't remember. Even number one, you're just so perfect that you don't need that kind of, of, of critique anymore. The other possibility is that you haven't let people in close enough to see what's going on or given them permission to speak. And my money's on that latter one. This friendship shielded David. Here's the second thing it did, it strengthened David. Jonathan spoke courage into David's life when David was ready to give up. He reminded David that God had great plans for his life even when David's world seemed to be collapsing around him. True friends, multiply your strength. God designed our hearts to work that way. This is fascinating. I was reading this book called Locking Arms by Stu Weber. And he points out that when geese fly in a V formation, you look up there and you see them in the sky in a V formation. They do that because they add at least 71% flying range when they fly than they do when they fly on their own, 71%. And that's because the wings of the bird in front of them create an updraft that makes flying easier. So all the birds in the V are benefiting from the draft coming from the one in front of it. You say, well, what about the poor sap in the front? Yeah, that one meets all the wind resistance. But if you watched them for a while, and usually we can't see this, but each one only does that for a mile or two. And when he gets tired, he just rotates to the back of the formation and another flies point for a while. You say, well, that's just birds. I mean, come on, man, birds aren't real. Okay, all right, here's an example from the animal world. (laughs) The strongest horse in the world, the strongest horse in the world right now can pull about 5,000 pounds. They can pull a sled weighing about 5,000 pounds. If you harness two horses together though, As a team, just the two of them, they can pull over 14,000 pounds. Putting two horses together doesn't just double their strength. It multiplies their strength. And that's just because God made us in the animal kingdom, the bird kingdom, the human kingdom. He made us so that our strength multiplies when we pull together with a friend. I don't know about you, but but knowing somebody else, y'all, is grieving my problem. And that's rare, I'll, I'll admit it, to have a friend that really grieves my problem with me But when I know that a friend is grieved about my problem with me, worrying about it with me, it just makes my soul feel so much lighter, doesn't it? Have you experienced that? One of the greatest experiences of my life is when somebody looks at me and genuinely says, you got a friend in me. You got troubles, I got them too. There isn't anything I wouldn't do for you. We stick together, we see it through because you got a friend in me. That's an old hymn, right? And that, uh, no, I'm just kidding. That's Woody from Toy Story, but it's true. But it's true. Close friendships sustain and strengthen us. Um, interestingly, I was reading, um, rereading something Tim Keller said the other day about marriage. I thought this was fascinating. He said, in times of distress, it's not the romantic parts of the marriage relationship that help. In times of distress, it's the friendship part. Tim talked about going through one of the most difficult seasons of his life. And he says, in the middle of that difficult season, it dawned on him, his wife helped sustain him, not because she was his wife, but because she was his friend. He said, what I needed during that time wasn't sex, wasn't a roommate, wasn't somebody who I shared a bank account with. What I needed was a true soul friend. And that should be an encouragement, by the way, to all of you, to all of us, whether you're married or not, because it means that What is most helpful to us in times of need is something available, not just to married people, it's available to non-married people. What you need is a friend. And so Dr. Keller says to married people or to those looking to get married, you must do everything possible. You must pay any price to be best friends with your spouse. Good marriages, he says, are not basically romance garnished with a little friendship. Good marriages are friendships that are garnished with a little romance. And for those of you who are not married, it means that the most sustaining parts of marriage are available to you. It's not sex or sharing a bed, it's a friendship. Listen, y'all, God said, it's not good that man should be alone, but you understand marriage is not the only way that we stop being alone. In fact, in some ways, friendship, eschatologically, or when you look into the future, is more important than marriage because while marriage is only temporary, friendship is eternal. So this friendship shielded him, it strengthened him. Lastly, it shaped him. Later on, we're gonna see David show extreme generosity and selflessness with others. After tragedy had struck Saul and Jonathan's house, David asked if there was any of Jonathan's descendants that he could show kindness to. And David found that Jonathan had one living relative, a little boy named Mephibosheth that this little boy was crippled. And David said, bring him to my table. He will never lack anything. And for the rest of his life, David treated Mephibosheth like a son. That's a generosity of spirit he learned, at least in part, from Jonathan. Jonathan's character shaped David's character. That's what Proverbs says will happen. Again, you notice how much I'm quoting Proverbs. This is all stuff that David learned from Jonathan. He that walks with wise men shall be wise, but the companion of fools shall be destroyed. I've heard Craig Rochelle, another pastor, say that this verse means that there's one thing, one thing in your life right now that I can look at that can help me accurately predict your future. You know what that is? Not your New Year's resolution list. The one thing I can look at to predict your future is who your close friends are. The one who walks with wise men becomes wise. The companion of fools, they're headed to destruction. Craig says, he says, you show me your friends and I'll show you your future because you become the average of your five closest friends. Look at your five closest companions right now. You're gonna become the average of them in the days to come. You say, well, that's depressing. Yeah, the good news in that is that if you wanna change your future and you're not sure where to start, you have a very actionable step. Change your close relationships. I often say to you, it's not the dreams you dream that determine your destiny. It's the small decisions you make. And one of those most important decisions is who you do life with, who you walk closely with, when I'm preaching at a student camp like I did this summer on that last night, right? You give the invitation and all of them make decisions to follow Jesus. It's always this crazy emotional night. They haven't slept all week, the worship band plays extra long, you tell one emotional story and they all come forward. They come saying, I'll do whatever Jesus wants me to do. And I always tell them that the difference in those who continue on with the decision and those who falter in it is simply determined by who goes home and changes their friendships. Everybody at camp's on a spiritual high. Everybody feels the same. They're all like, oh, let's be missionaries. Let's not date till college. Let's memorize the whole Bible. That's what they all say. The difference in those who make it and those who don't has nothing to do with the intensity of emotion at camp. It's who follows up that emotion by changing the friendships. You don't change your friendships. You won't change. I don't care how much you cried because you just become the average of your five closest friends. Craig Rochelle says, he said, we'd all... We all have something we'd like to become. You wanna be a better student. You wanna be a better worker. You wanna be a more solid Christian. You wanna be a better parent. What if the decision to become that was really a decision about what friends you chose? You are one friend away from changing the course of your destiny. You're one friend away from being a better parent, being a better spouse, a better a better Christian, one friend away from being a better one of those or a worse one. You say, well, J.D., are you saying that I should kick all my bad and mediocre friends to the curb? You asking me to go home and unfriend a bunch of people on Facebook? Will you at least give me a whopper if I do that? No, I am not saying that, okay? Do not send me a screenshot with a bunch of unfriend notifications and ask me for a burger. Um, here's a little graph that I've used over the years that I borrow from Andy Stanley. I've changed the words a little bit, but I think this is a great concept. It talks about three kinds of friends that most of us have in our lives. Either the center one is what we call our core friends. Those are those one or two Jonathans. And they should all be Christians. They should all be people that you wanna be like. That's your core. Then you got outside of that, your community. That's the 12 to 15 people that you just do life with. The majority of those ought to be Christians. Not all of them necessarily, but the majority of those because that's your community. And then you've got the circle of concern. Those are people that you genuinely are friends with. You love them, you're involved in their lives, but they're just in that circle of, of concern. And for some of you, you've got to rethink who's in the core and you've got to kind of move some people to community and concern. By the way, you don't officially tell somebody when they move to a different circle. Okay, that's not, we're not, but I'm just saying that's a helpful thing for you to think about. Friendships are important because they shield us, they strengthen us and they shape us. And that's how God designed us. And so I'll say it again. Y'all, it should disturb us how little value we seem to place on friendship in our culture and how few friends most of us have, even in the church, particularly as we get older. Proverbs 18.1, an isolated man seeks his own desire and rages against all sound judgment. It is a tragedy that so many men have no real friendships in their later years, and that's why so many of them go wrong in that last chapter. They get apathetic, they get selfish, they get self-absorbed, bitter, controlling. After a good life, you men will squander the best years of your life in selfishness and darkness. It's because of a lack of friends. You are not too good for that to happen to you. Finally, number three, the story shows us the power behind friendship. Friendship is inspired by Jesus. Y'all think about it. Jonathan served David, even at great personal cost to himself. When David was in need, Jonathan walked 30 miles to warn him. Jesus, of course, came much farther than that. Jesus crossed the gap between eternity and earth, between deity and humanity. Jonathan gave up his right to the palace to put David in. Jesus purchased our place in the palace at the cost of his blood. Jonathan was not even the rightful heir to the throne anymore, but Jesus was the rightful heir to the throne and he gave it up anyway. Like Jonathan, Jesus laid aside his royal robe and he took off the belt of his rights and the sword of his judgment and he gave them all to us, even though he was the rightful heir and we were the traitor. And then when we turned our back on him and betrayed him, he refused to walk away from us even when he had every right to. What a friend we had in Jesus. What a friend we have. Jesus' friendship, see, to you, enables you to become that kind of friend to somebody else.
0: Well, there you go. Um, I hope that was good for you. Uh, just a good reminder of what biblical friendship can and should be. Um, and we're just so glad that Pastor JD has all of this to share through his sermons. If you want to hear more sermons from Pastor JD or just get more content, I definitely recommend you follow him on Twitter or Instagram or Facebook. All good stuff there. And then you can find more content from him on jdgreer.com, jdgreer.com. So hope this was good, and we'll see you next time on Ask Me Anything.